In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I am Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, today we are honored to have a gentleman with us who has an amazing story of redemption. It is a real-life reminder that your story, my story, our story is not fully written. Yet, we talk about these things, we flesh them out, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. We can still be used every single day by God, and we are grateful to that. We're grateful that God will allow us to do great things despite the obstacles that we all may face. And we want to talk about that. So to get us going to introduce our guest for the day, um, you know the drill. My buddy, my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bales. Brian is Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Brother, it's good to see you all the way from the beaches of Florida, man. Okay, not really, but not really. my background um, looks pretty nice. Yeah, every time we're doing these Zoom now interviews due to the COVID-19 outbreak, for those listeners who can't see, which is all of us who can't see other than us on the phone call. Thank God they can't see us, right? He's in somewhere that he's not in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Dennis, one of the things I'm excited about today is this this, uh, story we're going to hear from Donovan, because what it does is it pushes up against this lie that it's really easy to believe, and this is how it works. We read things in Scripture about redemption stories and changes, things like, for example, uh, we think of David as the king, and we often forget a lot of the messed up things that happened in his life, that if he wasn't the king, he'd have been in jail. We think about Moses and a lot of the messed up things that happened in Moses' life, and we think if he wasn't Iran, he would have been in jail. There's a whole lot of things that we look, and, and what happens is we tend to think that because those stories are in the Bible, that those redemption stories only apply to people in the Bible. And we don't think about how the truth of the good news of the gospel, the redemption that it brings in our life and how it changes is a truth that passes through all time, not just 4,000 years ago or 40 years ago, but today, right where we are going through whatever that we're going through. And and that in many ways is the story of Donovan Bates uh, today that we have as our guest. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, He is the owner of DMV Recycling Incorporated. You can go to www.scrapcatprices.com. You can learn more about that. But a little bit about that program or that company there, they purchased your failed catalytic converters. I've had a few of them in my time, Donovan. I should have known about this. They extract the metals inside of it so that they can be reused. And when they do that, it helps protect the environment. But also, as well as starting his for-profit company, he started a nonprofit as well called Christians United Against Systemic Injustice. You can find out more about that at www.fighting4justice.org, www.fightingforjustice.org. And we're going to talk about both of those things today a little bit as we hear about his impressive uh, destination where he has wound up in the redemption story that God is playing in his life and has played his life that he's sharing. So, uh, Donovan, thanks for 
coming on today and for putting up with Dennis and I uh, as we get a chance just to hear about what God's done in your life. Yes, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me here. Yeah, well, we're you know what, Brian? Can I tell you something, Brian? Yeah. When I when I was typing this out, and Donovan, you as well, my brother. When I was typing this out yesterday, it says so. The title of the show is Christians United Against Systemic Injustice, and I thought, man, that makes us sound pretty smart, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes us sound pretty smart. It's a great title. So thank you, God bless your brother, for being here. Yeah. Yes. And- and Donovan, your story is is not a story that happened overnight. You just didn't all of a sudden say, hey, I'm going to start this company. Hey, I'm going to start this organization to fight systemic injustice. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you probably have a few friends listening today, hopefully, uh, and they know your story. But I imagine most of our audience doesn't know your story. So let's start in a moment at that moment where you gave your life to Christ. Uh, what was the situation that you found yourself in when you made that decision? All right. Well, uh, first, I want to say, uh, again, thanks for giving me this opportunity to end this platform to share my story. May God get all of the glory. So the moment that I gave my life to Christ, it was May 7th, 2006, and I was a prisoner in Prince William County Jail. I was in there for three months at the time and serving a blind bid. So that just means that you don't know when you're getting out because you didn't go to trial yet. So what happened, right? I was a horrible person. I I robbed houses, robbed people. I was leading a gang that helped me to do this. I sold drugs, caused chaos in my community until I was caught. And I'm not cutting any cards because knowing how much of a wretched man I was, it gives even more glory to God and how he has changed me. So on May 7th, I laid in my bunk listening to a song by Shirley Caesar called No Charge. And as she sang her song, I was reminded of all the things my mom did for me and ashamed at where I was in my life. So I was in tears laying on my on the back of my bunk. And, and before the tears ended, Jesus Christ, whom I've been reading about for the last three months in jail, said, all these things you did to your mom, you also did to me. Mm. Right there, that was like my breaking point. I mean, if you if you want to add to the sorrow that that was right there, that's how you do it. Right. And as the tears found new motivation to flow, I cried out to God for forgiveness. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, and immediately he entered my heart. I jumped down off my bunk. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, I shouted out, I'm free, <laughs> you know. And and uh, a lot of people probably was looking at me like I was crazy. But um, I wanted to proclaim it even more, so I went to the whiteboard, grabbed the marker, wrote it out. I'm locked up, and this is the first time that I've ever been free. So, yeah, people probably thought I was crazy, but it didn't matter because Jesus Christ freed me. Now, I don't want to dismiss this because I think it's very important to acknowledge I was in a program in the jail called Men in New Direction that had Christian leaders and pastors coming in twice a day, uh, five days a week to talk to us about Jesus Christ. This is the type of commitment that we need as the church to help renew minds and transform lives of those incarcerated. And this program helped me uh, and helped me uh, help to lead me in the direction that God has been putting in my heart while I was in there. And that that's the Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I think the, the man, the amazing thing that I just heard from you say is that you're free, yet everyone would say you were in jail. Right? Yeah. I mean, from an external circumstances, you're far from free, but now for the first time in your life, you're free. And that's that's the good news of the gospel, right? That that's what mm-hmm. we talk about. That's why we call the show that that it brings freedom to those captured. It brings salvation 
for those separated from God. And whether or not your physical situation was one like Donovan's as you're listening to the show or your physical situation is different, our spiritual situation is all the same when we start. And that is we're in bondage to sin, but yet Jesus Christ can set us free. And so you gave your life to Christ um, and then you were released from jail. But just because you were released from jail, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you everything was different because you started to fight some labels specifically a label of, of someone who had been a felon, someone who had been incarcerated, even though inside you had changed, there's a whole lot of people that still saw you, so to speak, with a view that wasn't accurate anymore. Can you share with us the struggle that posed for you when you tried to enter back uh, into the world uh, that you're called into, trying to be different, yet many people struggle with that idea? Yeah. So um, while I was in there, the Lord uh, called me to lean on this verse, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Before I left that jail, I was told to do a five year plan, but God didn't have me do it. And everyone said I'll be back in less than a year because of that. But God had me lean on that verse and make that verse a reality. So I could see why they thought that I would be back so soon. And I can also see why God had me lean on that verse. So I was a new felon, new, never before, never understood what this meant until it happened to me. So everything that I do now is surrounded by my past. If I want to get a job, I have to write that I'm a felon. If I want to move into a house, I have to write that I'm a felon. I don't just write that I'm a felon. I have to go into detail about exactly what I was charged for. This isn't just for felonies, but this is also for misdemeanors. So a five-year plan would have helped me to stay on track, but it will also discourage me if I don't understand what I'm about to get into. So seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness allowed me to redirect the power of my future on the one who can truly open doors. Some people aren't called to run their own business, and I feel for them with the laws in place because it immobilizes those who are labeled criminals. I can give you one example as to why running my business was more of a necessity in my situation than a desire. Now, I want, to I want you to understand that I love what I do. God gave me a gift to run businesses, but at that time, it really was something that I needed to do. So I was working for an inventory company in Richmond back in 2009, and within three months, I was told that I was their best employee. They knew my record, knew I had felonies, and they knew, and they were looking to promote me to a manager position. So I guess after a decision, a decision from higher up, it didn't happen. One day I was called into the office so that they can explain to me why they were going to promote the other person. They explained this to me because my felony, I couldn't move up in the company at all. I would have to be content with where I was and happy that I even had the job. So this is the reality if uh, felons, if they can even get to that point. So I also was accepted only into a neighborhood that with a high crime rate when living in Richmond. This neighborhood was actually known for most of the murders when Richmond was murder capital. I didn't know that, though. And within two weeks of moving there, of living there, a man was shot and killed right in front of my house in the drive-by. That bullet could have gone right through the window of my one-year-old daughter's room while she was sleeping. So I can speak on many more things that I've experienced, but for the sake of time, I just want you to know that it becomes a new way of life that leaves psychological infirmities socially, economically, and ultimately within your overall health. Yeah, and when people look at you or anyone through a view, 
instead of a you. By that, I mean the view was prisoner instead of who you were or felon instead of who you are now as an individual. It always creates problems. It's the it's the basis of racism. It's the basis of so many isms that Jesus Christ died to eliminate, yet they continue to come in our life. And I thank you for that just uh, story reminding us about the, the emotional weight and the burden that you still carry uh, due to those other perceptions, but it didn't really even stop there when you're talking about facing the effects of what it meant to to be in jail, some uh, some time being incarcerated, but also as well, then later on, I'm going to tell you, you lost your, your father, if I'm understanding this correct, at the hands of the police. Can you share that with us? Um, so, so when I lost my father, um, so, you know, it wasn't just me that faced these effects of mass incarceration, right? So my dad, he, he faced them as well. Um, so my dad, he was a strong-willed person, very smart. In fact, he is the one that taught me about my recycling business. So it's hard to talk about exactly what happened because we never got the full story. But in September 2011, he died while in custody of the police. I didn't have proof that he died while he was in the custody until three years later. But when they first told us he died, they said it was possibly a suicide. We knew that wasn't true. My dad was finally spending time with me after a lifelong uh, lifetime of being apart, right? And he became more active in the church. I still remember him singing a church song to me in the kitchen. He had a solo, and he was proud of it. So suicide, yeah, I know that isn't true. Well, in less than a week, they told us that they was thinking it was probably a homicide instead. So uh, with that, they said that they had all of his belongings, that that was evidence, so we couldn't even see that. So at that moment, I knew that they were covering something up. And because of my grandma's bad heart and request from the family to leave it alone and let her grieve, I didn't pursue it in the way that I wanted to at that time. And now, so, you know, when running into these roadblocks, when running into those those challenges, cover-ups, all those things that you were facing in, in a place where you're looking for justice, you're, you're seeming to get no cooperation uh, in justice, and maybe in some cases, without delving farther into your story, active injustice towards what's happening in your scenario, what happened to your father in that way. Was that part of the impetus? Was that part of the thought processes in sort of making this sort of switch to um, – now, not just your heart to, to run a business, uh, and we talk about this a lot on Good News for the City, running for a business is, uh, running a business is a way to spread the gospel. It, that's, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's, it's absolutely part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely just a great way to do it. But also, you're not doing that and holding it just into that one category. You started this organization, Christians United Against Systemic Injustice. It's your nonprofit. Was that some of the the thought process behind it when you started this organization? So uh, when I started the organization, this was really something that just, I would say, it lit the fire. Um, So uh, more more about my dad, what happened was after they, um, there was a lot more uh, roadblocks that happened. And, and I'll share that a little bit. Uh, after my grandma passed away, we started to to uh, uh, pursue this a little bit more. And it was heavy on my heart. So I wanted to see the autopsy. I wanted to get the death certificate. And they were really having me go in circles looking for this. They had me go all the way to Richmond to get this. And then once I went to Richmond, I got the death certificate. They said, well, the autopsy is actually in Prince William County. And 
after all of that, I, I um, so I realized on the death certificate that he did die while in custody of police. It showed it right there. And then um, after all of that, we were getting phone calls. Uh, the police, uh, the detectives called me, asking me, why am I pursuing this? I had police cars sitting in front of my house. Uh, I, I still remember that like it was yesterday. We were going to a church gathering Sunday morning, me and my family walking out the house, and this police officer's in his car staring at us as we're leaving the house. And uh, when all of this happened, uh, my kid's mom, she said to me, she said, these officers that are uh, – in the in the sight of the public on TV, they're not even getting convicted for this. Why do you think that these ones that did this to your dad will get convicted? Yet our kids have to live in this neighborhood. They have to live in this county. So it really made it, and uh, that was 2014, and made it so I stopped. I, I, I thought about my kids, and I thought about their safety. But then I realized after all of this that that is a false perception of safety. And I can't be, I can't be uh, immobilized. I can't be stagnant and complacent uh, because of what they might do to me. So that that is what made me say we need to do something about this, and we need to do something about this as Christians. So uh, when we look, and if you go to that website, fightingforjustice.org, Christians United Against Systemic Injustice. What then is is the aim, the goal? If if someone's listening today via podcast or listening uh, right now on the radio uh, when we're live, uh, what is it that that you're hoping that your organization, that God is laying your heart to start, will, will accomplish? All right. Well, it's right there in the name. We want to unite Christians all over to fight against systemic injustice, right? So what does that look like? Well, systemic injustice has purposefully plagued the black community in ways that cause psychological harm to overall health. And it's also affected other communities. And as Christians, we do not want to disregard those communities either. But we want to... Uh, all communities affected by the unjust system, we want to help to get them out of that. So how do we do that? We plan to engage these communities through the love of Christ, letting our good or letting his good work shine down so that we could build everlasting relationships through mentorship, tutoring, business classes, giving more opportunity to those feeling trapped in this mass incarceration system. And more than anything, sharing the gospel with intent to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But this is just one part of the mission. The other part is thoroughly uh, looking through policies, procedures, and practices that are designed to keep these communities down and then dismantle those through protests while rewriting policies that will exemplify God's grace, justice, mercy, and equity to all people. Yeah, so talk a little about, I mean, I think that from as we're listening to your story, it gives you what I would like to say. I don't know if the term unique perspective is the right uh, term, but I, you can say that. Maybe I would say the term an experience perspective, right, of, of going through it. How, how are you able to speak to this, uh, the problem of systemic injustice, given your experience? If someone, maybe they're out there and they're living in a level of doubt about systemic injustice, or maybe more than a level of doubt, maybe like, ah, that, that's, I've not experienced it, so it, it must not be true. Uh, you know, we've had several conversations uh, on this radio show previously about this issue of racism, about the issue of systemic injustice. We, we continue to believe that the gospel is the answer for everything, but the gospel being the answer for something also assumes that people looking at it recognizes the gospel needs to be applied to an area. And, and there are a lot of people that don't necessarily uh, understand that truth. Could you just take a moment and, and talk about your perspective? Uh, and we got five minutes or so uh, about that idea. 
Um, so, well, I've been through it, and I hope that you can see that through uh, what I've been saying. Um, but I, I could give one um, example that actually just happened to me, right? In May, I was arrested. So just a couple of months ago, I was arrested due to a seven-year-old traffic ticket that I did not remember. They mailed the court date to my previous address, never saw it, never went. Seven years later, during the rise of COVID-19, while they were letting others out of jail that didn't have a violent crime, I was handcuffed, driven from jail to jail for two hours until they found one that would take me in. Arriving in Baltimore City Jail, I witnessed the horrible conditions, about four to six people to a cell where there were no social distance even able to be practiced, a concrete slab to sleep on, sleep on rotten food on the ground, and residue of old throw-up by the, by the toilet. I witnessed the correctional officers degrading these men in the middle of the night, laughing with devilish laughs as they stood on the side of freedom, and we sat as spectacles to them all. When, when they were probably already at their lowest point, these men and women brought them lower. I see what the system does. I live through the effects of the system, and I experience loss due to the system. So I have had enough. And, and if it means even dying to stop the system, I'm ready to do this, that, just that. See, I'm nothing but a servant of Christ, but I'm willing to let him use me in this way. Mm. So for someone who's listening and, and they're struggling along, maybe some of your story is, is overlapping into their story. Uh, perhaps they've been labeled um, as a view instead of a you. People have seen them through the, uh, the lens of a felon or incarcerated or by their skin color instead of by the way God has made them. It's making it tough for them to, to move beyond the situations that they are currently in as well as move beyond maybe past situations in their life. Um, would you talk to them and, and, and talk to them about reach for the future that God has for them? How would you encourage them? I, I love the fact that you've already talked about even before you got out of incarceration, there was a verse that was encouraging you. Uh, for people right now in the midst of this, how would you encourage them? Well, first I'll say lean on Jesus Christ. It is him where you find your true identity, though Others may label you. Their label don't matter. He labels you a child of God if you give your life to him. This is where it starts, and this is why I've gotten this far. It's not me. It's him. He defeated the greatest oppressor of all, which is death. When he defied the rules of sin and, by, and death by laying his life down without having done any sin. So this is why it was impossible for death to hold him and why God raised him from the dead. It says that in Acts 2.24 and, and all through Romans chapter 8. So I, I've experienced all the atrocity. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I, I would have fallen back into the system that seems to be unbreakable. But he breaks the system. He dismantles the system. He's the one who corrects it. And there's another system that needs to be broken as well. And that system of sin that dwells in all of us. Let him reign over your whole body as he as he proves victorious in everything. And I also want to say one last thing, that we are coming. The church is on its way. And if you need help, connect with us, and we will be there to help you. Donovan, man, that just encouraged me so much to hear that. And for how you said just the reminder about, about what Jesus does. You know, Jesus knew everything we had done, are doing, and will do. And he still died for us. Amen. And then he didn't stay dead. Right. The, the truth of the gospel is that uh, the imperishable took on the perishable. Uh, God became man, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a spotless, sinless life over 30 years, died a sinner's death when he wasn't a sinner on the Amen. cross. Right. And then rose victorious over sin, death and the grave so that all of us who would choose to believe could have a relationship back with him. That is the good news. And thank you for sharing how that good news 
of Jesus Christ has changed you, and especially sending people off with the hope that it can change everyone. Dennis, um, Amen. you know, Amen. There, there are times that we get to interview people, and I wish people could see their faces like we see their face, because it's one thing to hear the hope and to hear the, the joy that Donovan has his heart, that the gospel rings. It, it's a whole nother level to see it. Wouldn't you agree? I was just getting ready to say, you know, the one thing I wish for Donovan is that he had a little more excitement and passion. Yeah. You know, God bless his heart, man. He just doesn't. No, I'm kidding, man. I mean, he has this great smile, this great just aura about him. And you know what that is? That's the joy of Jesus Christ. That's the love of Christ in your life, brother. So God bless you. I love you for that, man. Thank you so much for that. Hey, folks, you gotta you got to listen to this again, man. I, I'm not kidding. Donovan's passion and his excitement for the gospel, and not just that, though, to do something about it. You can go to the website, fightingforjustice.org. That's fighting. The number four justice fighting for justice.org. And if you want to listen to this again, hey, go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com or wava.com. Put in the keyword good news. Look under our podcast page. You can listen to it again. And if you need to, you can call me anytime um, at the station. I'll get the message 703 807 2266. Donovan, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Folks, we will see you all again next week. You can listen to us. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703 803-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.